You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. ISIS returns to its grim inspiration. China's APT-10 collects against Japan. And Internet Explorer Zero Day is reported undergoing exploitation in the wild. Twitter won't sell Kaspersky any more ads, but doesn't have any specific explanation for why not. There's some bad but expected news about router security. We cover ZTE's regulatory troubles. And a cracker with attitude will do time. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, April 23rd, 2018. ISIS has resumed its online presence. The terrorist group has claimed credit for a mass murder in Kabul, where a bombing at a voter registration site killed at least 57, with well over 100 injured. The Sunni group ISIS in this case made an explicitly sectarian claim— its Amak news agency said that the bombing had targeted Shiites, whom Amak characterized as apostates. ISIS represents a rival to the Taliban for Islamist pride of place in Afghanistan, and bombings and claims of credit can be expected to remain a principal form in which ISIS will seek to both inspire and recruit. The group also threatened Iraqi polling stations in upcoming elections, ISIS has been largely expelled from the Iraqi territory it once controlled, but the group threatened late Sunday to attack polling places during next month's parliamentary elections. Anyone who votes, says the terrorist group, will by that act have made themselves apostates. The prominence of Shiite Muslims in the Iraqi government is, of course, another occasion of ISIS enmity toward that government. FireEye says that a Chinese threat group, probably APT-10, has been collecting against Japanese networks in order to obtain intelligence about Japan's policy with respect to North Korea. The incursions into various networks were generally accomplished, according to FireEye, by spearfishing. The fishbait was a lecture on defense delivered by the former head of UNESCO, Koichiro Matsuura. The nature of the bait is regarded as suggestive of a motive. China's interest in understanding Japan's point of view and likely actions concerning nuclear tensions on the Korean peninsula. APT-10 is generally thought to be specially charged with developing the intelligence on regional security issues. 
Chinese security firm Kihu360 reports finding a Microsoft Internet Explorer zero-day being exploited in the wild. They're calling it double-kill, and it's transmitted by infected office documents. Users are advised to avoid opening documents forwarded from unknown or otherwise suspect sources until a patch is in place. Kihu360 seems to be strictly following sound disclosure practices, so technical details are sparse, but Redmond appears to have them. Twitter has banned Kaspersky from purchasing advertising on the social media platform. Their rationale is, essentially, Kaspersky's perceived ties to Russian security services. As Twitter explained, pointing in the general direction of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security's ejection of Kaspersky products from government systems, their, quote, decision is based on our determination that Kaspersky Lab operates using a business model that inherently conflicts with acceptable Twitter ads business practices. End quote. Ads or no ads, Kaspersky isn't taking the ban lying down. Eugene Kaspersky has sent an open letter to Twitter's CEO Jack Dorsey in which he tweaked the social media platform for what he took to be the incomprehensibility of the ban, referring to Twitter's statement that Kaspersky's business model inherently conflicts with Twitter's notion of acceptable business practice. Kaspersky wrote, Huh? I read this formulation again and again, but still couldn't for the life of me understand how it might relate to us. One thing I can say for sure is this. We haven't violated any written or unwritten rules, and our business model is quite simply the same template business model that's used throughout the whole cybersecurity industry. We provide users with products and services, and they pay us for them. End quote. He goes on, in the nicest way possible, to accuse Twitter of hypocrisy with respect to its declared commitment of freedom of expression. In a subsequent tweet, not of course a paid Twitter ad, just a tweet, he clarified that, quote, no matter how the situation develops, we won't be doing any more advertising on Twitter this year. The whole of the planned Twitter advertising budget for 2018 will instead be donated to the Electronic Frontier Foundation. They do a lot to fight censorship online. End quote. Kaspersky Lab spent roughly $93,000 on Twitter ads last year. Twitter hasn't had much to say in response or clarification. No posts on their blog, for example, address the ban. A spokesperson repeated the inherent conflict with acceptable Twitter ads business practices line to CyberScoop and then pointed CyberScoop toward the September 2017 Department of Homeland Security Directive telling federal agencies to remove Kaspersky software from their systems. That directive expressed concern that Kaspersky was too close to the Russian government, and that, besides, Russian law compels Russian companies to provide assistance to security agencies. Gizmodo received a similar reply. Eugene Kaspersky has a tweet on that, too, out yesterday. Quote, Fun fact, Twitter justified the ad ban against KL with DHS decree which is based on questionable media reports, which are based on anonymous sources, speculations, and false allegations. Censorship in action? End quote. With concern running high about Russian ability to exploit vulnerabilities in unpatched Cisco routers, results of a survey by Broadband Genie are discouraging but unsurprising. Most people, survey says, don't update firmware, don't change their router's default credentials, and are unfamiliar with ways of securing their devices. ZTE remains unhappy, to say the least, about a U.S. Commerce Department ban on selling ZTE parts or software. 
The company said at the end of last week that the move threatened its very survival. And finally, the British mastermind, so to speak, of the Krakas with Attitude, has received two years in a British juvenile facility for his role in hacking various U.S. officials. Teenaged boy Kane Gamble will be 20 when he gets out. His slightly older Carolina colleagues, Justin Liverman and Otto Boggs, are presently on sabbatical in Club Fed. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Malek Ben-Salem. She's the R&D manager for security at Accenture Labs. She's also a New America Cybersecurity Fellow. Malek, welcome back. Um, obviously, uh, artificial intelligence, we speak a lot about here on the CyberWire, and, uh, but it's not all good news. You wanted to point out there's the potential for malicious use of AI. Exactly, yeah. We talk a lot about artificial intelligence and, in particular, about its use for security, right? Whether it's for the early detection of cyber attacks, we've been using that in intrusion detection systems for a while. Uh, we are currently more and more using it to assist SOC analysts in incident response. Obviously in security analytics, uh, there is more use of machine learning also to authenticate users based on their behavior uh, using behavioral biometrics. There's a wide range of applications for artificial intelligence for security, but we don't talk a lot about how malicious actors could misuse AI technology and the potential ways uh, we can uh, mitigate those threats. There are a number of challenges that AI can pose for security. And the first one is that it lowers the cost of conducting many existing attacks. The fact that the attack can become scalable by the use of AI systems, 
automatically means that it can expand the set of actors that can carry out that attack. It can increase the rate at which the attack can be carried out, and it can increase the number of potential targets. Let me give an example. Um, you know, think about the automation of social engineering attacks. A victim's online information can be used to automatically generate custom malicious websites or links that are sent to them that they're likely to click on. It can be sent from addresses um, that impersonate their own context using even a writing style that mimics the writing style of those contexts. Hmm. So that increases basically the likelihood that person will become a victim uh, of that attack and it increased the veracity of the social engineering attack. When we've talked about AI and the potential for uh, bad actors to use it, it's often come up that the expense would keep them from adopting it. Are, are we heading towards a time when that's no longer the case? I think so. I think there are more and more libraries that are available, machine learning libraries that are uh, readily available to, to leverage by attackers as they are readily available for you know AI researchers. As we, as cyber defenders, increase our capabilities, obviously malicious actors are also increasing their own capabilities. The second challenge that AI technology poses to security is the fact that it creates new threats and vulnerabilities. Obviously, AI technology is software, so it has its own software vulnerabilities, but also it has another type of vulnerability related to data. Um, there are attacks that can be performed against AI and in particular machine learning based technologies, um, things such as poisoning attacks where uh, the malicious actor can introduce training data that causes the machine learning system to make mistakes. Hmm. That's one type of attack. Uh, there are other attacks um, by giving an input or adversarial input that is designed to be misclassified by the machine learning system. So I mentioned earlier the behavioral biometric approach for authentication. Uh, let's say we're using uh, keystrokes to profile the user's behavior and use that as a way to authenticate that user. The malicious actor can mimic the typing behavior of that user in order to impersonate that person. Hmm. So that would be another way of exploiting a machine learning based system. So basically, these are new classes of vulnerabilities. It's not the buffer overflow. It's not the SQL injection attack that we're used to against regular software, regular scripts. Uh, this is an entirely new class of attacks that is data-driven and that companies have to account for when they're evaluating AI technology for their own defenses. All right. The game of cat and mouse continues. Malek Bedin Salem, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Always a pleasure. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. 
That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.